The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Ben Crosby, CCIM, Managing Broker with National Land Realty in Florida. A native of the Sunshine State, he advocates for investors and commercial real estate professionals to keep a long-term perspective in examining potential properties, emphasizing population trends and demographics over day-to-day headlines and short-term issues. Crosby sees a bright future for land investment in Florida and throughout the Southeast, while also speculating on what the reshoring of manufacturing could mean for the Midwest. Ben, first of all, thank you so much for joining Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Glad to be here with you, Nick. You've emphasized um, a need for investors to kind of avoid getting wrapped up in day-to-day headlines. Uh, instead, you favor focusing on longer-term metrics like population growth and income. You know, considering how quickly things can change with COVID-19, you know, why do you favor investors keeping their sights farther towards the horizon and, and kind of ignoring or trying not to get tripped up by the pitfalls of, of the day-to-day headlines? I think we have to remember that real estate has always been intended to be a long-term investment, and that's why one of its traits is known as a lack of liquidity. And with that in mind, it just, I think we buy properties or we invest in properties based on a long-term vision. And to to allow some short-term event Uh, whether it's in our case COVID or if it's some tax event or some uh, governmental catastrophe outside of our borders even, we just can't let that noise or those distractions get in the way. I think we have to continue to analyze these properties based on what we think the long-term trend is. Obviously, something like COVID doesn't come around often, and hopefully it never, we never hear something like it again. But is it a matter of kind of keeping those events in proportion or, or, or keeping perspective in a proper place? Oh, no question. No question about that. Uh, you, you've got to keep it all. But I, I'm, I'm reminded, even, even in the stock market, uh, people that lost their focus when COVID came on, and got scared and jumped out, I mean, have lost a tremendous amount of money not being in the market because obviously as soon as it recovered, uh, there was just a lot of money to be made and still being made today. And I think for the real estate people that stayed in, they're probably much happier today than those that may have gotten scared and sold out. Do you think in recent times has focused been more on these kind of day-to-day changes, or is that has this been a long-term problem for, for real estate investment? I don't know the numbers, actually, but I think when you just look at long-term, the, uh, the lack of a higher volume sales in real estate, I think that's somewhat of a testament that, that people have the long-term in mind 
that that are successful investors in real estate. Yeah, and, and you mentioned kind of the the markets, um, you know, bouncing back after um, you know the initial shock of COVID, um, with investment activity picking up in CRE sectors and growing demand. Um, along with potential for more distressed asset, assets to, to enter the market, you know what factors should investors consider when examining um, possible investment properties? Well, I think the number one thing is um, I, I coach people today, look at sites for what they can be, not for what they are, because there's a lot of tremendous sites today that uh, – their, their future is hidden by some old use or building that, that might be there. And so what I'm really talking about is the number one thing for me is just the quality of the location itself. Uh, anytime you buy the highest quality site that you can find, again, if you're a long-term investor, it will prove to be very successful in your portfolio over the uh, course of time. With kind of in the wake of COVID, um, I know adaptive overuse has, was was kind of a, a buzzword for, for many years before the pandemic, but um, is that is kind of repurposing existing property something that that is an opportunity for, for, for CRE professionals? I think so. I, I see around the country as I travel around, I, I see substantial redevelopment of sites all around. And sometimes we look at the vacant sites and we get focused on them because they're easy since there's nothing else uh, cluttering up the site. But opportunities are missed, I think, by people that don't look at some of these old sites that have old buildings or lots of trees or other things that just cloud your judgment. So. yeah, I think first go find the site you want and then worry about what's on it. Yeah. And and you've had um, with nearly four decades of experience um, in Florida and in the southeast United States, you've seen kind of the the, the various market cycles. Um, and, and if you look at Florida as a bit of a case study, um, do you see any sectors as especially interesting to, to investors right now? Well, talking about Florida, uh, growing up here, of course, for forever, at least while I've been alive, we were the the state of the retirees. And uh, that those retirees have been very good for our economy. But that has changed somewhat. We still love our retirees and we welcome them down here. They're an important part of our economy. But but Florida's economy over the last 30 years has really diversified also. Uh, and uh, our agricultural industry has stayed uh, fighting a number of battles. It, it stayed pretty strong. Our tourism industry has just grown by leaps and bounds and and really is is the major driving force probably in our economy today. But uh, technology companies have have come to Florida. The military has been, still is a very important part of our economy here. And because of the population growth, significant manufacturing has 
has either come directly into Florida or certainly moved further south uh, from the Midwest, the Great Lakes, and other places to get closer to this population boom that that Florida as well as uh, other southeastern states have enjoyed, like the Carolinas and Georgia and Alabama. So I I think that uh, this growing population is is just the main driving force for us and figuring out where that demand is and how it's showing itself is how we need to uh, study our investment strategy. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point that you mentioned. The kind of the, the stereotype of Florida is a bit is a bit outdated. I think um, you know twenty thirty years ago, that's what you kind of had. You, you kind of envisioned this. Uh, a state full of retirees, but it's it's a lot more dynamic than that. Um, do you see do you see Florida as indicative um, of other markets across the country, or, or is it a bit unique? How do you how do you see it fitting into kind of the United States puzzle as a whole? You know, I'm, uh, my business is I, I I'm a little bit fortunate in that I, I travel quite a bit. I think this year I've been in 22 or 23 different states, and so. I see a lot of places, and I think each state in our country, maybe because of its location, probably in in the overall uh, continent or the country, uh, it it brings about unique opportunities. And so, I think each of our states has has found what they can do best, and is figuring out how to thrive with that. So, it. It's hard for me to compare Florida because, of course, we have all this water. We have uh, hotter, warmer weather. There's things we can do really well, and there's things we can't do well in trying to compare ourselves with, say, Arkansas. Uh, they don't have the the same resources we do, but they have tremendous uh, food production capabilities and other manufacturing and things. And so... Uh, um, yeah, Florida has done well based on the resources we have. I I would certainly compare us uh, significantly with somebody like Texas. There's a lot of similarities that that we have, and I think we stand up pretty well with them and in other states around the Sun Belt. But uh, I just find it difficult to compare us with. Uh, Minnesota or Kansas, for instance. Yeah, and obviously hospitality is a major factor in Florida. Um, as a Midwesterner, it's always nice to get down to Florida, usually in maybe January or February. Um, for Travel Leisure, after watching their customers disappear literally overnight with COVID, what should Siri professionals keep an eye on heading into 2022, where things will hopefully look a little brighter for hospitality? Well, every place I go, I can tell you, people are ready to travel. And uh, as we saw, starting with this last spring, I think it's been very evident that people have been traveling. I know our state, uh, tourism-wise, saw a very nice increase in uh, the hospitality uh, demand and, and overall tourism. So uh, I just, I know the demand is there. There's uh, there's some states that just are not as open as others, and I think so. They probably are struggling somewhat, but uh, uh, 
the, the states that are, are sending clear signals that they're open for business and welcome, I think they probably will be the ones that do the best in travel and leisure. But uh, then the last thing, of course, is that there's a number of people for whatever reason, whether it's their own personal uh, uh, physical or medical conditions have to be uh, or are more concerned still with COVID than others. Uh, They have to make their own decisions about that. But uh, that's that's just something that it's going to take time to get over with so that everybody that would like to travel can and will. But uh, I think to 2022 is going to be a very good year uh, in the uh, travel and leisure business. I think as we kind of see air traffic pick up and these these metrics kind of start inching back towards, you know, what what was normal, maybe in 2019. Um, there, there is a hope there. Um, on the investment side of things, is there is the volume picking up? Is, is that kind of tracking along with actual travel, or is that is the market a bit uh, a bit different from just kind of um, you know folks flying into the state? No, the uh, the real estate market in general, and certainly the land markets, have been very active and are very active uh, here in Florida for sure. Uh, we're suffering like many other states with a lack of sufficient inventory of properties that are available based on the demand for land. But uh, I I see it all over the country. I, I've been shocked earlier this year. I was out in the uh, Arizona desert in the what I thought was the middle of nowhere and just shocked at some of the prices for pure desert land that people were paying just to have uh, ownership and land. Speaking of the land market in Florida, um, has there been, obviously you mentioned volume is up, but but has there been significant um, impacts since the onset of COVID? Like most places, we certainly were somewhat stunned in the early going and quite a while in 2020. Projects that were in process moved slowly forward. Some halted for a few months while people figured out whether or not the world would come to an end. But later on, uh, momentum or business picked up and the momentum has just continued all the way through until today. So, um and and that demand that we're seeing for land has increased both as investors just looking to buy and own land as well as the surging population growth we're experiencing down here and the demand for housing and then following that other commercial segments come along to support the housing but all of that has just really put tremendous pressure on all of our land here. Everything from develop right now uh, parcels of land into either commercial or residential or even some of the most rural lands in our state are feeling the pressure and seeing significant value increases. And as far as the, the interest in the, in the rural areas, um, is that for you know, for recreation, for a warehouse, you know, if, if there are 
a, a sector or two that are especially popular in those areas, what, w- what would those be? The demand that, that we're seeing, uh, first of all, I think partly our state, uh, I don't know exactly when it was, but very early on, the state government took the position that that they were going to be open for business and let people make their own decisions as to whether or not to venture out or to stay home. And I think those clear signals uh, gave the average investor uh, the confidence to come and invest in our state. And I think it's proven for us to be a good decision. And our, our COVID levels have uh, been pretty good based on as open as we are. So uh, to your to your question, our rural properties, uh, people, because of population density, there's a number of people wanting to, to get away from the dense urban areas. And so them going out looking for their own personal piece of paradise has has put significant pressure on the oh five ten acre and less than a hundred acre tracks just for personal ownership, and then the investors who are believers in land as a diversification to their overall portfolio for the larger uh, tracts of land. There have been relatively few. Uh, available tracks for the large investor. And so we've just seen some stunning uh, sales of thousand acre and larger tracks on a per acre basis. And that's just for the the rural land investor. The um, other tracks anywhere near the major highways, interstate systems, uh, we've had tremendous development and uh, investment in lands that could be developed to industrial uh, distribution in particular, uh, which, you know, COVID has really kind of accelerated the growth in the online business. And so the, the warehouse distribution development in this state has has just almost been breathtaking. The The number of 500,000 square foot and larger buildings and it, it's just amazing what's happened here you know obviously land is is a finite resource um and nobody can predict the future but do you see this kind of this supply and there the supply still being constrained and demand you know being strong into the next year two years five years down the road yes i think we're <laughs> there will be an imbalance i believe mainly because of the finite supply but a lot of our landowners here that have opportunities thrown at them frequently to sell their properties their problem is if they sold their land they don't know where they'd go and so i think restricted supply of land of of all uh, segments is going to continue for a while. And finally, is there um, is there a market you know in Florida or the Southeast or just nationwide that you think should maybe be getting more attention from investors than it is that maybe kind of a a bit of a hidden secret? Good question. I, I am very bullish personally on uh, senior housing and and medical. 
on on the basis that I think no matter what happens, there's going to be constant demand for it, as we continue to see an, an aging population. And certainly that's uh, something we focus on for or have focused on for a long time in Florida, but other parts are, of the country also. Uh, more people in the in the Midwest and the North and places are deciding to not retire and come to the sunshine, but stay up there because it's where their children and grandchildren are. So I think all around the country, I think uh, medical and, and senior housing will be uh, very popular and a, a solid investment for for folks. I think an area to me that I think is, I don't know that sleeper's the right word, but for somebody with patient and long-term capital, I just personally think that our country is going to have to make a decision to uh, return a lot of manufacturing back uh, to our country just for our own security. And so I just look at the Midwest and I think, wow, there's just tremendous idled manufacturing plants and capacity up there. And, and a lot of those cities that have that still have a solid base of skilled labor that's capable of working in those plants. And I think people making investments, long-term investments with patient capital and around some of those manufacturing plants, they, they may have really uh, significant opportunities for, for profit down the road if they're patient. We appreciate the time and, uh, and thanks for joining uh, Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Thank you, Nick. Enjoyed being with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.